Welcome to Bugs and Beards, the podcast home for everything fly fishing and fly tying. Kick back as we sit down and talk with some of your favorite fly tires and fishermen while we discuss with them the tips and techniques they've learned on the river and behind the vice so that you can use those lessons learned to make your time more effective. Hey everybody and welcome to another podcast of the Bugs and Beard podcast here. Um, we got a cool guest on with us today. He's one of the guests we've had on before. Uh, it's Mike Kimura, a member of the youth team, the U.S. U.S. US youth World Fly Fishing Team, correct? Yeah. I yeah. even said it right without thinking <laughs> about it. Um, Mike was over this year and fished in the Czech Republic, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to dive into some competition fishing, I'm sure. And we haven't really done a competition show yet this year, have we, Pat? No, we have not. Yeah, so new season, a couple... Oh, a fair amount of episodes into it, but we yep. haven't done any competition. Been keying towards fly fish, fly tires a lot this year, and uh, something a little different. But we need to get back into the competition. So, Mike, how you been? I've been great. I've been great. School's going good. Just took all my midterms, so glad to have that over with. <laughs> good. What are you going to school for? I'm a material science major. Yeah. For once, we get a guy that's not a fishery biologist guy. <laughs> oh, I know. That's, that's something else. <laughs> Yeah, I get to play with all the cool machines, yeah. test tip it, you know. Aha, <laughs> uh-huh. so you can still tie it into your... Oh, yeah, yeah. In, into your major, cool. Are you going to Penn State then, right? Yeah, yeah, Penn State main campus. So are you in the fly, fly fishing club? I'm not, I'm not. I uh, just kind of do my own thing, mainly. Right. I fish, my, my roommate fishes too, so we fish together a lot and just, just go out. But All right, well, let's dive into it. Let's get into... We'll just start right off talking about the Worlds. So how was it for you this year? Yeah, the the Worlds this year was really good. Um, it was my best performance at the Worlds, and it was a fun one, yeah. unlike last year, which was a grind session. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was uh, similar to Slovenia um, in, like, the, the food and, you know, the, the people kind of. Um, just everyone was pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Um, food was good. Didn't have to put up with getting raw tomatoes for lunch by the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, by would, the organizers that wouldn't work for me um but it was uh pretty fair competition uh again unlike last year where we had to put up with some sketchy tactics by the <laughs> by the controllers and, and other people um as a team we took silver and uh individually i came in fourth right um nice yeah very close to third i did the did the math and i was if I caught four fish at any other point during the competition, would ended up with with silver. So <laughs> wow, yeah, it's it's amazing how how close you can be sometimes and just be that close to winning or first or second. I don't. Know, I probably said it on here one time before. I fished a bass tournament one time. The first place was a five thousand dollar bass boat and trailer, no motor. So wouldn't have done me no good anyway. But we thought we had it in the can, was headed to the weigh-ins, and a fish died on the way-in on us. It was a four-ounce mm. deduction. We lost by two ounces. <laughs> <laughs> we took second place by two ounces with a four-ounce deduction. Yeah, it's always, it always comes down to that. It always comes down to yeah, like one fish, two fish, a yep. couple centimeters sometimes. Yeah, you beat yourself up over what could I have done differently. And mm-hmm. 
Just replay that over and over and over. Well, the thing that I keep replaying over and over and over about that day was it was 95 degrees in the last hour. We're like, we got this in the bag. Let's go get up on the shore and take a break. (laughs) (laughs) So we could have went out and caught another live fish to replace that one, but we didn't know he was going to die on the way in. Mm. But yeah, that sucked. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) but anyway, um, what was different about this competition? Um, so in this competition, we didn't have a lake. Uh, last two worlds, there were, were lake venues. Um, so that would have been to the benefit of the U.S. team, probably. Yeah, we usually do pretty well in the lakes um, okay. as long as they're, you know, fair right. lakes, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and the lake usually kind of puts a, a turning point in, yeah. um, you know, because some countries don't fish lakes at all some countries are very good at lakes uh, it just adds something a little different to kind of right you know do that so we didn't have any of that it was all rivers um all one river is the voltava uh, which is a tailwater release from uh, a big reservoir i can't remember right. the name but and also we had uh the first two venues switched um so you would fish Half the time on one beat, you would get 15 minutes to go to uh, a beat up or down from you. Um, I can't remember which one okay. it was. Um, and then you would fish the, the last half of your session on that beat. So sector one and it actually went sector one, three, okay. two, four, five down the river, um, which was confusing. <laughs> yeah. But they did it because of the, the switching and timing and all that. Um, but so sector one and three you switched beats on, and that was the uh, the trophy section and the regular section of the Devil Stones hmm. is what they called it. Um, That's a different. I don't know. Do we even have any competitions like that here? Or no? Um, I yeah, don't usually you have so. like your two hour session, and yeah, yeah I f- I did fish one um, a couple years ago. It was sort of like that, where but you had two people on like one split beat and then you switch oh, okay. um, it was on pens. No one liked it that much. <laughs> it was, yeah. it was, uh, it was a little confusing, but it was a little confusing over there also. Um, but they did it so that it would be more fair. Yeah. Um, so if you got one really crap yeah. beat, right. Then yeah. you would switch and you would get a little better beat. Um, that, that does make sense from that angle. Yeah. Like from you, that angle. You yeah. Could, you could have totally bad water and, at least you got something to make up with in the next one. Yeah. And that's that's how the Czechs run all of their competitions um, oh. like that, or pretty much all of them. I got the chance to go over uh, about a month early for before the uh, the competition and actually watch the Czech National Championships. Oh. Um, so I saw, like, all of their best anglers. But between all the people there, there was probably, like, 30, 40 worlds, nationals, like European Championship medals, wow. um, a lot of good anglers. So that was really cool to watch. Um, and then, but they did that too. They switched, and that's just how they did it. Yeah. Um, well, it's a, I mean, it's a good idea, I think, because I think of watching my boy fish a couple of tournaments, and you know, if you got, you could spend a, a good amount of time in a bad section of water yeah, and beating that horse. Yeah. Yeah, that looks that looks good, but they just weren't there that day or something like that. And yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know exactly why they did it on the the Devil Stones because most of the beats were 
pretty good. Um, there wasn't any that were, you know, terrible. There there was, but it kind of switched around, um, and the ones we thought would be good, you know, weren't exactly the the ones that were good. But it also, if you switched, you switched with the beat directly next year. So one switch with two, three switch with four. So usually when you switch, you ended up still in good water. Yeah. Um, if you had a good beat or still in bad water, if you had a bad beat. So in theory, it, it's pretty good in practice. I don't think it made a, uh, a huge difference in yeah. the, in the out- outcome of the competition. So hmm. is there, is there anything that you came away with? Like I always try to, when I go on a fishing trip or something, I always try to take something away from it. You know, that I learned something that I can apply somewhere else or is there anything you picked up that at that particular place? Yeah, the the biggest thing, maybe I didn't learn, but I definitely, it was like reinforced, um, was just having to switch up all the time. Yeah. Keep being dynamic with everything. Uh, my I had one session that uh, I believe it was sector three. And it was, in practice, the best section by far. Um, it was our favorite section of fish, just a ton of fish. You know, it was that mile down from the dam right. that was uh, just really good. Right. When we fished in the competition, terrible. Uh, <laughs> awful. So I don't know exactly what happened there, but so I had a plan. The My beat that I got in that sector, I had fished multiple times when I went a month before in practice. Right. I'd watched the men's nationals on that section of water. Mm-hmm knew more about that section of water than any other section of water on the river. So I immediately like had a plan. Yep. I had a second session. So the second section session actually went from five to eight at night. Hmm. So really late. Yeah. So was waiting for some dry flies to start coming off, you know, later in the day, the fish in this river really like dry flies. Um, they're really service oriented. Never seen so many fish rise in in a river before yeah and a lot of their like men competitors male com- or men's national competitors fished almost solely dries in some of their wow. sessions that we watched wow. so hmm. i had long like glide at the bottom a lot of like pocket water mm-hmm. and then like heavy run at the top and like heavy water to the left so my i was gonna fish a dry at the bottom dry drop in the middle dry drop a little longer yep. off at the top and then like nymph the rest of it and caught a fish right off the bat and didn't catch another fish for the next like hour and a half. <laughs> wow. Uh, and I, I knew there was something wrong and I was like, shit, I don't know what to do right now. <laughs> so I just, I just kept switching up. Like I was fishing dry dropper at that point. So then I went to single nymph and then I didn't get anything. So I went to single dry, caught a fish. Mm. Then I took a couple steps up single dry didn't get a fish went back to the single nymph got a fish so and i did that all the way up i was just fishing one fly and just kept switching up switching up switching up so i probably switched probably 10 15 times every like 15 minutes (laughs) and i think that's that's a big thing to take away because i don't do that enough I get in a situation where, oh, well, yesterday I caught him on this. It'll work today. Yep, you go in, you just keep beating, beating it, beating it, beating it. And, beating it. It. and uh, my story like that is 
uh, up in Alaska when my wife and I went up to Alaska. I went in there thinking, oh, there's going to be steelhead in there. I'm going to throw egg patterns. I just beat that with egg patterns, and I said, well, i got to try something different. And then once I started trying things differently, I went through probably six flies until I hit the fly that worked that day. (laughs) And then it worked the rest of the time. But I quickly went through six flies. I could see fish out there. I knew they were, you know, you knew they were there. Yeah. So it's, what are they going to eat today? And, you know, go through your progression. Well, if this don't work, this usually does. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I've never switched up between weights and dry flies and dry dropper. That's different. That yeah. much, you know, anywhere. Because it was like you would take like two or three casts and then you'd be like, switch. <laughs> two or three casts, switch. Was you fishing a different current or whatever that you had, were switching or were no, they I just put it right in the same place right in the same right place the same, i would take a couple casts with the nymph i wouldn't get a fish throw a dry right where i threw the nymph wow. fish would jump out of the water with it in its mouth <laughs> they they really liked so if you put a dry dropper on and then you started dabbing it uh-huh. on the water they would yep. absolutely destroy it so <laughs> by the time the session was almost over the same session it was almost eight o'clock pitch black <laughs> yeah so dark that there was heavy cloud cover it was raining uh, i was soaked it couldn't <laughs> see a single thing so i would just i had like 10 minutes left dangle the fly below me and just kind of like pop the dry on the water so they had something to look at yeah and then they would come up and eat it and i'd run it back over <laughs> I'd completely blind it was yeah it was interesting but that session just really kind of hammered it in like just got to be dynamic with it sometimes. That was the one time I beat Chase fishing. <laughs> Chase, we were, I was fishing with Chase, and he was fishing dry dropper. And uh, he was doing really good, and it started to get dark, and we couldn't see anything. Well, I, I put on some dries, caught a couple fish. It got dark. He couldn't see his dropper or his dry no more. So I put on a wet fly and started swinging the wet fly down below him and just mm-hmm. kept hammering him because I could feel the fish, and he wasn't yeah. feeling. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but, it was it was interesting. It was very and every section of the river was something a little bit different, mm. you know. A little bit different size, weights, flies. Was you fish when you were saying you were fishing drives, were you just mainly fishing like C D C caddises and stuff, or was you fishing mayflies and Yeah, so the fish in this river this river has an incredible amount of caddis flies. Um so we we were fishing like a C D C winged dubbing body just plain kind of caddis mm-hmm. imitation, um, 12s and 14s. Wow. They were pretty big. Yeah. Um, and my dry dropper fly was just CDC on a, on the hook, a little bit of dubbing. Right. Um, just, but big, like a 10. Oh, wow. That's what I was fishing. And I was catching fish on it, a lot mm. of fish on it. Wow. I, probably, I probably caught 60 to 70% of my fish in this world's on, on dries. Wow. Um, between either meeting the dry, dry dropping, single dry um that kind of stuff they just really were surface oriented and in the competition world that we're in now that's kind of that's different it's strange that's different yeah 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 i Especially think with the checks because yeah. they're like big numbers um yeah but they they also fish yes they're used dry to fishing pretty well. in water too they yeah when we watched the uh the men's nationals every angler would have like two or three rods rigged up want to be wet flies want to be dries mm-hmm. want to be nymphing and they would just switch up so much um they really 
have being dynamic down. Yeah. Um, so they're fishing with multiple rods rather than not on their person. Okay. Uh, just on the bank. On the bank, um, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there, there was from the the logging days of, of this river. There was an island that was like a they had it cut in half basically. Okay. So this island just went all the way down the river. Hmm. Uh, it through the middle, um, hmm. kind of little little further to the left, but. So they would have the controller on that island. And oh. The controller would just walk up, and they would leave their rods on that island. They could just come back and grab it. Hmm. Um, back, back to my bass fishing days. That's the way we bass fished. <laughs> yeah, more rods yeah. the merrier. Yeah. That way you have something rigged up, something snaps yeah, off, so you can grab something else. You weren't wasting your time, yeah. time, yeah, tying something on. Yeah, the more rods you can have rigged up already, if yeah. it's easy to run back and get them. Might as well. I always had, you know. In this competition, I had two rods rigged up exactly the same. Uh, excuse me, because I knew I was going to break something. Yeah. <laughs> the the rocks were just right. terrible. Um, the the upper devil stones basically had no bottom to the stream. It was just large boulders uh, right. on the bottom. So you'd take a step and it would be a foot, and you'd take another step and it would be nine feet. So it was like fishing the little jay. Wow. It was like fishing the little jay if the little jay did a lot of meth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was really, really dangerous. Uh, one kid had to go to the hospital. Oh, um, wow. One of the Spanish kids. Uh, I broke a rod my first session. I knew I was going to break a rod. I broke a rod my first session. Landed a fish on the broken rod. Session <laughs> session ended. But you like didn't matter what kind of boots you had. You yeah. know, like should have worn rock climbing shoes for mm. <laughs> for what we were doing. The rocks were so slippery. It was polished granite rock. Oh you know, wow. Your studs wouldn't wouldn't bite in. Grip in. Felt yeah. didn't help that much. Like now, when you said like the men's, when you watched the men's, they had multiple rods there. Of course, their multiple rods would have been multiple setups. When they was they fishing a, like a nine foot leader with their dry flies, or was they still fishing a twenty foot leader? Or? Um. So on this particular river, the the fish were not leader shy, spooky, any of that. Mm-hmm. Um. So they were fishing like. I think the one guy we talked to was like fishing a six foot leader. Wow. Um, and their mentality behind it is the closer you can get your flies to the line, you'll, the more accurate you'll be and yeah. the more fish you're going to catch. Cause you could slap the line down on top of where a fish just rose and that fish didn't rise. Another fish would rise, you know? Wow. <laughs> um, that is crazy. Yeah. They, they, all the fish are smaller. Um, they were starving. They're hungry. Oh, uh, they, they were well fed. They're in, oh. Incredible amount of bugs in the river. Um, there's just a lot of a lot of food for them, caddis mainly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they they fish really short leaders. Um, See, and I and I think the reason I pointed out the reason I say it is because we probably have listeners that are newer to competition fishing and stuck on that twenty foot leader mentality and stuff with the competitions. And it's definitely a good question. Yeah, I, I just wanted the curiosity for myself. Because I know I can cast a twenty, uh, you know, a a nine foot five x leader a lot better than I can cast a twenty foot leader for distance at a rising trout. Yeah, yeah. I it all depends on on where you're fishing, how spooky the fish are. Yeah. You know, if I was gonna go fish Big Spring Creek and try and you know catch one of those fish on dries, right? I'd probably put a twenty foot leader on and whip out my very light to my three yeah. weight and ten x. Yeah. You know, but yeah. they they just 
wanted to slap it down as close to where they knew there was a fish as possible. So if you're fishing, you know, fast pocket water, yeah, places where the fish aren't spooky, I go as short as possible. Mm-hmm. I usually fish dries just on my my nymphing leader, you yeah, know, and. I'll just high stick them. I'll put them right under the tip because you can usually get pretty close to those fish. Right. And and that's what uh, Pat and I both, that's what we've pretty much done. Just unfortunately for the lack of wanting to take the time to tie a new leader on or whatever, <laughs> because you're out fishing, you don't want to be wasting your time yeah. to have that 20 foot leader on. If a hatch comes off, you want to catch one on it. But yeah. You, you know, so I think we're fishing it more out of the mentality of laziness. <laughs> But, you know, whereas I should probably be carrying my six and a half foot three weight and having some fun with it. But Yeah, I honestly, I, I feel more comfortable fishing dries just on my nymphing rod and nymphing leader than, you know, going out there and casting. Because yeah. you just almost all the time you can get within a pretty close distance of a rising fish. There's yeah, really no need to, to cast, you know, if you're going to fish a crystal clear slick yeah and the fish see 15 people a day try to catch them then maybe yeah but yeah or if you're on for closest thing the little j where there's big holes and you can't reach the other side or something like yeah that. yeah that's distance too. kind of fishing but yeah where you have to fish if you really if you can't yeah. i yeah i definitely do then yeah you know throw a regular line regular leader too but there you know if you're th- Doing it solely for the purpose that you just can't get across the river, you can still go with a shorter leader. Yeah. Um, my my dry fly leader is probably ten feet. The one okay. the one that I tie, um, not not super long. So, yeah. Especially especially dry dropper too. If you're fishing dry dropper, you can get away with murder there. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, that's the one tool that I put in my belt this year. That oh was man, just. After that clinic with Gordon, yeah. Mm-hmm. Gordon loves dry dropper. Oh, Gordon yes. loves his dry dropper. Yes. And in Pennsylvania, I don't find a ton of places where I, I really feel like it's the best option. Uh, like every now and then I will, but usually I feel like I can single nymph it or single dry fly yep. fish it yeah. a little bit better. But North Carolina, where you have that pocket water, you know, the yeah. Nanhala River, all that dry dropper is, is a killer tactic. And that's how it was in the Czech Republic. You know, the fish would eat a dry mm. as much or more than they would eat a nymph and a lot of pocket water, a lot of really heavy pocket water. Okay. Um, actually my main reason for fishing it in the Czech Republic as much as I did, um, I fished, you know, probably half the time or more with a dry dropper. Um, probably more now that I think about it, but, uh, is the, the current was just so unpredictable, you know, the, yeah. between the rocks and the depth just, you, you didn't know what was happening. The current would swirl in weird ways. Uh, Calvin has a video of just this funnel. And it was literally right a, a funnel that was probably four feet long by like a foot wide wow. at the top. The, it, the water was just funneling into the truck. The currents were just really weird. Wow. And with dry dropper, you can just cast that out there. And the current Let's is going to... right around. Yeah, it. it'll yeah. swirl around. It'll keep it in place. Yeah. And... You know, that was the most effective tactic for me for that because, you know, it was the only way I, I could get a good drift with that kind of current. Right. Um, 
I don't care who you are, <laughs> when the currents go in four different directions in a foot, yeah, you're not going to get a good drift there. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, I got. I'm. I'm going to be honest. I have dry droppered so much recently that I'm probably going to have to get the skunk out of the back, out of the box. <laughs> you know, whenever I go back to Euro niffing because I was so well. You know what I mean by Euro niffing, but tight lining. Because I've done so much dry dropper lately because it was so successful over the winter time here. Really? Yeah. 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 And I've been fishing where it's really worked for me is small stream wild up in the mountain where you can hit those tiny little pockets in behind rocks Mm -hmm. and, you know, not make a big splash. I'm still thinking about using these big, these big CDC caddis, man. Size 10. (laughs) <laughs> that's like yeah. throwing they're like literally throwing that down on the water like a grasshopper i should have brought like popping it you know yeah. like making it the fish can hear and hit the water well the cd no the cd it back. was it, it floated down very lightly but mm-hmm. definitely when when we were like dapping it up and down yeah. you know you would it would it would create a little disturbance <laughs> that's and that honestly that's the best reason why i love fishing the caddis is my dropper because i love skittering it across the top mm-hmm. caster down screen caddis here yeah. man we have a ton of caddis i i wish the fish here would eat caddis like the fish over there did yeah because that would make if, if the fish the fish over there were small you know they were eight to ten inches yeah it's like the usual the biggest fish we caught joey caught a like 16 17 inch brown oh wow that was the biggest one by far wow so not not big fish. There were some big rainbows and brookies that they stocked, mm-hmm. um, but they didn't eat it like the the browns did. But if we had our some of our big browns over here eat a <laughs> caddis like those, it would make for right. some fun fishing. Did you get many grayling while you were there? Um, I got a, a couple, maybe ten. Um, they their grayling population really went down oh, wow. um, the past. I don't know how long. Since Calvin was there in 2011, and he said the grayling population wasn't that good then either. Mm. It used to be a really good grayling river. Um, yeah. And they said cormorants did, did a number on them. I'm sure there has to be something water yeah. quality-wise. But uh, all the grayling in there now are stocked. Um, yeah. They're all mm. small. I, I only scored one in the competition. I caught a couple in practice. Um, so... You said about dry flies, they're always the known for their dry fly eating. Yeah, the one I caught in the competition was on a dry. Yeah. Um, that was the first fish I caught in that that later session on the, the yeah. water I knew well. First grayling I caught out of there, too. Tag nymphs. see a lot of guys try tag nymphs for them. <laughs> yeah, tag, anything bright. They like bright stuff, yeah. too. Yeah. Tag nymphs were, were definitely the name of the game over there. Hmm. Um, we... <laughs> Fished and tied more tag nymphs than I ever wanted to see in my life. <laughs> I probably have a full CNF, like, <laughs> big fly box just of tag nymphs. Yeah. And, like, two O's, two twos, two threes, two fives. Smalls. Like, all the way all the way to, like, three five, like, just everything. Okay. All, all, beads, all, all of them on 16s. Um, that's what they wanted. So, yeah. a couple 14s, but I didn't fish those in the competition, really. Um, and pretty much all of my fish, I think, except for a couple on, on a mop and we fished like some orange pertagones, uh, I caught a couple on that. Okay. And then in the lower section with the stock fish, you know, fish streamers, but yeah. all of the, the other fish were, that were on a nymph or on a tag nymph. So 
you know, just a lot of, <laughs> a lot of tag names. <laughs> yeah. I don't know exactly why. I think it has something to do with the water is really tannic. Um, so it was really, really dark water, Okay, which made the waiting hard. Um, but the, the, all the caddis in the river, I, I think the fish see that orange something. It has has to have something to do with the caddis because that's all the fish were eating and all they wanted to eat was tag hmm. so we fished we tried all the other flies we had you know all of us were fishing like pheasant tails waltz worms yeah. all that kind of stuff no luck really not even on the czech nymph in the czech republic not even on the czech nymph <laughs> you know they they liked worms but we're not allowed to fish squirmies anymore so yeah. that kind of sucked for us but and i i wanted to see how far i could take it so at one point I just tied an orange tag off of a bear hook with a bead and I caught fish on that just as much as I did the other tag nymphs. So there, there's some about that tag that they just like, it must look like a peaking caddis in that, that orange and that tannic water. Did with that tannic water was, was your flies mostly dark colored flies or yeah, we were fishing. I was fishing black body, okay. orange tag, a little bit of CDC um, for mine. That, that would have been my train of thought. That's what mm-hmm. I'm thinking. Yeah. I was just wondering. Yeah. Yeah, a couple on like um, peacock ones in practice, but we tried all sorts of different like yeah. body colors and stuff, and the black was just it. Yeah, um, I have yet to fish a, a tannic river. I can't think of mm. one that I fit. I've been to them, but oh, I never yeah, got I've to been fish to a them. couple, but never fished. Yeah, up in New York, I know we've I've been around a couple up in up in the Adirondacks and stuff, but that was on a hunting trip. So yeah, yeah, I fished. I forget which one it is. One in one in the Adirondacks, might be the Al Sable, yeah, something like, like that. I forget which one it, but it, it yeah. was really tannic. And this was almost like that, okay. Um, just even even more so, just really tannic. Yeah, um, yeah, it's different. We I saw it up in Alaska when we was up there. I saw some up there too, but Alaska was weird because the glacier water was like this bluish white color yeah so there was like so much different colors to the streams up there that was different yeah and i'm not sure where it gets its tannic like this river did because it came out of a dam was it pine hmm. was there pine there, forest there was pine forest but it, it, yeah. it looked like it came out of the dam like clear and you know we were fishing it not that far down from the dam and it was dark as could be so yeah, it'll leach out of the pine yeah the, the debris from the pine trees and stuff is where it gets the tannic color but and if you don't know what tannic color is, imagine uh, a very weak cup of coffee. Yeah, coffee yeah. color. Tea. Yeah, yeah tea. Good. Tea would be a good example. Yeah. And it'll get it'll be like a black, and then the faster water will be a light brown color. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yep. And that that made it kind of hard to see, like the cider. Yeah. You know, but, you would lose track of your fly because when that water kind of got a little rougher. Right. For some reason, it's just really white when it's rough. Right. I don't yeah. know why. I don't. Maybe just contrast a little bit more mm. against the black, but you know. I didn't think of that changing. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't have thought about that. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I went to an all green cider because mm. that's what stood out against right. it, you know. And dries had to put it like a little hot butt on it, so when it sat in the water, you'd see that, or else you yeah. just lose track of it immediately. I could definitely see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but a size 10. You're losing track of a size 10 over here. Yeah. That's a little big. Yeah. Hey, but it happens. So what else was, was there anything that stuck out to you? Was there anything that, I know 
for one thing I know, I was watching it back here, watching the results and stuff coming in, and and a couple of the guys did real well on the team. A couple, yeah. What, we had three guys in the top ten, I think. Yeah, um, I was fourth. Uh, Eli Buchanan was fifth. Yeah. Um, I, Ch- for, was I forget. Chase eighth or tenth? I think Chase was – he was seventh, eighth, or ninth, yeah. or tenth. Or, he was up – between seven and ten. Yeah, he was bouncing around that seven to ten spot the yeah. whole time. And then we we had another kid, Ben Comfort. Um, right. He did very well. I I forget what he took in his sessions, but it was very high. Yeah. Um. But we switched. So like he fished two sessions or three sessions, and we switched him with Martin, who also fished two or three sessions because the upper and the lower rivers were so different. Okay. And like one of them was doing a little better on one section. Right. So they they switched out. So. But Ben Ben did really good, um, okay. and Martin did good as well. But their scores kind of got screwed up by that. Right. So you, I think they, they were fishing for the team rather than the individual. Yeah. 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 Which is you know, yeah. well, an awesome, awesome com- thing. Very for them commendable. To do. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I can't can't say enough about how yeah. selfless that is. Well, and but it, you guys finished in second because yeah. Of it, so yeah. yeah. But I strongly believe that they probably would have been right up there in the yeah in the the tens or so that's cool to know i mean that's cool to give them give credit where credit's oh, due yeah. yeah and um and joey did well also I, I don't remember what he was but i think he was in the teens yeah um so all of us did pretty good um as far as oral's performances go it was you yeah know, that was the one, best one, one in our, a while it was yeah. our it was the best one by far just how close the team was like you know how much we work together um that i've been on just because we'd all kind of like known each other for some of us for two worlds right you know some of us a lot of us for the last one world and you know all fished together a lot known each other since we started um so it was our best performance that way and our best performance metal wise in a long time right um so what is what's your intentions now with competitive fly fishing and like are you gonna stick around in the in the sport or yeah yeah i'm I'm still gonna be out there a little bit uh not quite as hardcore as i was before uh, since i've aged off the youth team now um but i'll still be doing the local competitions i'm doing one on sunday on spring creek yeah Uh, all those because i i'm in state college now um so it's not that big of a deal for me right. to drive to a competition. I'll probably be up there for the summer as well, uh, living out here instead of Pittsburgh, where where I'm from. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna stay in it that way. Probably won't be uh, be trying too hard for any more world championships in the the near future. Near future. College is just a little bit much. <laughs> I was I wasn't thinking you were from Pittsburgh area, but now I know where you get your carpool buddies for the fly shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm from uh, I'm from the pgh okay so how many flies did you tie at uh symposium at the symposium <laughs> oh I, I tied a lot of flies <laughs> how I'd, many ties how many flies did miller tie <laughs> um i don't know he tied about a third of the time as me or probably half the flies <laughs> i don't know how he does it but yeah i I didn't tie it in months before that because it's hard to hard to set it up at college and then take it down and all yeah. that stuff. But so I was filling up some boxes. I, I filled up a full page of CNF <laughs> down there. I think it was 
I think we were pecking on him. I think it was like five o'clock on the first day, and he finally finished his first fly. Yeah, or something like he, that. <laughs> he didn't start tying until like halfway through the second day. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he was just he was just chatting. Life of the party. Yeah. yeah, he was he was always doing something, but tying wasn't it. <laughs> yeah. How do you? Okay, well, off the competition and into the flying world fly tying world like do, do you enjoy that do you enjoy the tying shows or oh yeah yeah i love tying i love the, the tying shows all that stuff um it's definitely more difficult to do in a dorm room than it is in my house yeah. when i have a room for it yeah now if you're not tying for competition not tying three thousand waltz worms and stuff like <laughs> that what what's your favorite thing to tie my favorite thing to tie i i fish for musky a decent amount. Ooh, okay. So yeah. I love yeah. time musky flies. Nice. Um, cool. You know, that's it's kind of, I, it's fun. Yeah. It's a fun fly to tie. It is. Because, all, all my trout flies are boring as hell. Yeah. <laughs> you have a, you're given a lot of liberty on a musky fly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mess around with them, you know, yeah. but. Uh, Pat's been tying a lot here lately. What's, what have you been up to? What's, what's your fun? <sighs> Dry flies. Dry, dry flies. flies. Adirondack style dry flies. Old school. Yes. Old school. Yeah. I've never tied one of those. I honestly don't remember ever tying with hackle in my life. <laughs> I, I don't own any except for musky flies. Hmm. I use CDC almost exclusively. Yeah. It, it hasn't been bad. At first it was a challenge. Once you get proportions over, it's not bad, but. I don't. Know. I've been encouraging you because to make you a better tire and well-rounded. You feel yeah. more accomplished when you're done with it, but to me, I'm kind of like you. Like the fish really does not care that it's that pretty. Yeah. Yeah. I would rather just something simple, basic. Boom, get it over with. That's what I'm gonna fish with anyway. But it, it's been fun. Yeah. It's enjoyable. Yeah, I have. Well, right now I've been stuck in a. Very large order of lively legs flies. <laughs> and, uh, but I keep taking a break from that. I had to shoot some videos there yesterday and I, I've been on a kick of the classics. So the old wet flies. Yeah, you've been back. Yeah. Yeah. You're like dipping way back. I do. I do yeah. really enjoy tying the wet flies and fishing the wet flies. Yes. That is a lot of fun. I, you know, I think that's an overlooked tactic by a lot of people. Oh, it yeah. totally is. Um, in the Czech Republic. We thought that was going to be a, a big thing for the whitefish. Oh. It turned out not to be. Um, wow. But uh, I had practiced a lot before we went over uh, fishing fishing wet flies. And it when was, it when was you were fishing the wet flies over there, what leader setup were you using? Um, you know, mine, uh, my, my setup for it's pretty basic. Um, do it almost like I'm fishing a lake. So okay. I do like five feet of 4X, then fly another five feet of four X then a fly, then another five feet of four X and then a fly. <laughs> so wow. you're and, not tapering it down at all. No, um, not, not really a reason for it because roll cast. Yeah. Well, for the, there's not a reason that I don't taper it. Oh, I don't, okay. I don't oh, have a gotcha, reason. Yeah, I don't yeah. have a reason that I just do straight. Gotcha. Just gotcha, gotcha. for the fact that it's a lot easier. Simple. You personally. Um, yeah. Simple. Yeah. I, you know, when I'm, fishing it usually it's like far away mm -hmm. so far um i haven't used it a whole ton that you know like a real setup for it i'll swing on a on a nymphing leader a lot okay but i got 
I have a, a rod for it and I have a three weight sinking line, three weight intermediate that I use. Okay. Um, and then just the four X off that. And I, I haven't had much trouble casting it. It's casted pretty well so far. And right. I think it, it keeps it all kind of on plane a little bit, you know, with that sinking line, yeah. just like in a lake, you're fishing just straight tippet. Um, so it's all kind of in the same level sinks at the same rate, gotcha. but it's also easier, like just to change up, you know, I don't have to worry about cutting into a taper with that, that first fly or anything. True. But, uh, keep it simple. Yeah. 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 I keep everything really simple. I kind of um, like, uh, five feet of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> town fly, it's a lot, a lot more simple feet. than a leader, <laughs> you know, no doubt. I haven't, I haven't dove quite that deep into, into swinging wet so far. I want to more this, this summer. Um, that's been my plan too, is to, well, we're at, step back. a Yeah. Little. Step back. And it, you've, you've made a good, but it's such an overlooked tactic. Yeah. And, and when you do it, you catch fish on it because nobody else is doing it. So mm-hmm. the, the trout are seeing flies at a different way than they're used to seeing it. And, and I think that's a big reason why they hit it. Yeah. And like I said, I'll do it, you know, a good amount with just the nymphing leader, um, just cast out and let it swing. But there's a difference between that and actually having, you know, yeah, unweighted or like With- lightly weighted wet flies swinging downstream far below you. And then the most fish I've actually got doing it is when you swing it down below you, the, below you and then you start stripping it up just a little bit. Always yeah. one thing. Always on a rise. One mm-hmm. thing I was always taught to do, and we're going to get into that in another podcast one of our next podcasts we're going to be doing is the guy that taught me how to fly fish and he's solely a wet fly fisherman and he always taught me to swing it down through and when it gets right to the end just lift your rod up real slow and it'll bring that fly right up into the surface and that's what trigger that bite a lot of times yeah yeah there's definitely there's some some about it there's you know it works when other stuff yeah doesn't work quite as well yeah it does and i like the takes the smash yeah, the ta- all the smash takes oh, or the built-in man. indicator yeah yeah it's crazy i got over in the czech republic practicing with it one day one of the the mutant stocked brookies they put in uh, probably like 20 22 inches somewhere oh, wow. in, somewhere in there big fish big and it was brookie. like it was fat and i've never had a trout hit quite that hard even streamer fishing yeah it just absolutely destroyed it yeah so yeah i've been having a lot of fun tying the streamers too lately i i just love the i like to tie for the enjoyment more so a lot of times for the enjoyment of and if i'm sitting in the house watching tv it's the history channel usually i'm just kind of a history buff so i like looking up uh aura smith was one of the latest old time fly tires that i found out about and he loved to use the the crest on a golden pheasant, those yellow feathers mm-hmm. on the golden pheasant. Yeah. He would somehow straighten them and use them in his streamers. And mm. he, he was from Vermont, I believe bunch of wild brookie streams yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So there's bright colors on the brookies and nobody ties like that. No, they Not don't anymore. Not anymore. And it's, it's kind of a lost, you know, now it's for the, the beauty of the tying, it's yeah. the salmon flies and stuff like that. When you want to get it, delve into the beauty, but, I think there's so much beauty in those old Carrie Stevens streamers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And to be able to replicate them, is, to give it justice and do a nice job on it is 
I think that makes a good tire. Yeah. Or doing your cat skill like you're working on, getting the wings straight. Like, there's so much more to tying than just throwing. Yeah, throw some thread and some gold wire on there to give it a little flash. And yeah. You're going to catch fish, but, you know, anybody can tie that fly. I almost hate to say it because I'm, I'm sure he's going to listen because he told us the other week or he does listen now. And when I first started tying, Walt's worms. Man, you could just slab it on there. They didn't even care what it looked like. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you just really you could pile one to dubbing on that thing, and yeah, yep. It, it's it's crazy, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you don't have to be proportionate all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Fish don't care. They're he's stupid. gonna he's gonna yell at me next time he sees me. Now, sorry, Walt. No problem, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think any of my like the flies I actually fish for trout. Even my streamers, I can't think of more than a couple that have more than three materials. Most of them are, you know, Walt's worm got, you know, not including the thread, bead, and hook. It's just dubbing, Frenchies, you know, it's just just a pheasant tail, you know. People make it hard. People make it really hard. So what kind of streamers are you fishing in competition? Um, In competitions, I use pretty much almost exclusively um, is just a – jig with like marabou tail like a euro jig kind of thing yeah i use bugger kind of streamer yeah yeah marabou tail but i don't i don't put anything on the top i just put dubbing wrapped up um and then brushed out a little bit yep and that's Mm. it um and i I like to use uh laser dub yeah for for the body because i i was fishing probably like a couple months ago and i had one that was laser dub and i had one that wasn't it was just like some natural dubbing Mm -hmm. and i kept missing fish on the the natural dubbing one Mm -hmm. and like they would hit it and like i just wouldn't wouldn't get them on then i lost that one i put the laser dub one on and got a lot more fish on and i Mm -hmm. I realized that the way i brushed it out because i didn't brush it out too much but their teeth were just getting caught in it getting caught in holding on longer mm -hmm. their teeth were just getting caught in it and you know i would get some fish and like I would watch him eat it and then I would pull it a little bit and it just, it wouldn't move. It, they weren't hooked yet, but yeah. it was just stuck in their mouth and give you an extra like second to hook it. So now I tie all of my, all my buggers yeah, tie I, patterns with that. I call it the jiggy bugger. I tie those a lot, just a marabou tail and then whatever kind of dubbing, whatever color I'm tying and just longer, brush it out. Longer yeah. strand is what yeah. you're using. I'll yeah. Use, any, usually any dubbing strand dubbing. Yeah. yeah. Long something you can brush out and kind of make it, shaggy yeah anything that has kind of like is if it's long enough to make a loop yeah if it's long enough to not you know typically i use the slf uh dubbing blend pattern blends whitlock's pattern pattern blends there's a lot of kellers in that that's that's very buggy you know buggy their browns are really nice the olives are really nice but and also it brushes out real nice so that's one of my favorite yeah small streamers yeah and all you know, sometimes use like a, a rabbit strip streamer and okay. that stuff. Rarely though, it's almost always the the jig one. And even when I just fish on my own, I fish streamers a lot for like I, I like to go fish smaller streams, just kind of yeah, drive around, find some stuff, and try and catch big fish. You know, just hunt for big fish in small streams. Right. And I'll fish just those little streamers. You know, the same ones I fish in competition. I'll fish any like articulated stuff and. I do pretty well on it. Yeah. 
I, I do. I know a lot of the guys that we know that fish the big articulated stuff, low numbers, big fish. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I get that too. Like lower numbers, bigger fish. Yeah. You know, with a smaller one, you don't get any of the, the real small ones. Right. But you still get the, the real big ones. Yeah. You still get the big ones. Still get and, the big ones. And you get fish. You're not out there. Yeah. You're not out there all day. For one fish, two fish. Now, like on, on some rivers and stuff, there's a place for like, you know, the big articulated oh, yeah, streamers. No and they're fun to fish. But most of our PA rivers are, yeah, you know, not quite that. Yeah. All right. Well, looking at the clock here, we're about out of time for this show. So let's get into what you're doing now and uh, what you got going on. And, you know, what what do you do now that you're in college and you're done done on the youth team? Yeah. So um, I actually just started my own guide service. Uh, it's called Fringe Fly Fishing out of State College. And uh, I'm going to be, you know, hoping to get really into that over the summer. Um, I have a, a blog along with it um fringeflyfishing.com cool. that uh i'm gonna try and post articles on as well um you know euro nymphing just fishing in general comp right. recaps all that kind of stuff um and you know, I'll, I'll be living in state college full-time now so hoping to just kind of living in the heart of fishing country the heart of fishing country yeah. so you can't can't get much better than that you no. know drive right. 10 minutes down the road to to do a guide trip so i, I commend you on the on the blogging and the writing that's a not an easy thing to do i've tried it i've messed around with it and i sometimes like what i write and sometimes hate what i write <laughs> yeah i always i always feel self-conscious before i post it because i'm like is this correct did i yeah. did i do this right and i'm like yeah it is yeah well so. I, I can sit down in front of a camera and shoot a video and not black, bat an eye at it but to put something on paper is completely different for me yeah yeah and i've always been been a good like technical writer so yeah. you know they're they're very uh very technical articles for to say the least but you know i'm hoping hoping people like those you know yeah. you know get a little information out there from everything i've done um i have all this information on something very very specific and <laughs> good not much to do with it other than that so yeah we'll good. pass it around yeah we'll, i'll try to get it down in the description here so we'll get a link to it yeah yeah if i can figure that out yeah and you can also <laughs> uh also find it on facebook um and instagram uh just at fringe fly fishing okay um post on there or know. mike kimura we'll get you yeah there. yeah you can yeah. you can look up my name too and it should come up um, not, right. not great with the whole web thing so far, but, um, there's I'm figuring curve. it out. Yep. There is, there yeah. is computers were not my strong suit. Yeah. So, but social yeah. media, that's where it's at. Yeah. 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 I post, post a lot more on Instagram and Facebook than I do on the website and, yeah. and that kind of stuff, you know? Well, I think that's part of my problem is that's just one more iron in the fire. Like it's so easy to hit something on instagram put a picture out there and mm -hmm. share it over to facebook but to do something like you're talking writing a blog and yeah it yeah. takes a commitment so. yep yeah. yeah yeah nothing you know too long or any anything like that but just some some short like tips stories from the river yeah. that kind of stuff I always so. use a couple tips yeah. yeah yeah i got plenty of tips so but yeah and also gonna focus on trying to cater the to the comp crowd so any any of the youth kids that want to try and make the youth team or want to 
get better and go to worlds or any adult competitors that want to get into the competition scene or maybe try and make the men's team right you know take care of them and teach them what i know as far as not only fishing but how to actually go about doing right. competitions and, and all that and one thing i will say is just because you were on the youth team youth is just a term like the kids that are on the youth team are serious fishermen it's you you know youth is a how do i want to say it? not the best word to describe you guys <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of a lot of people kind of you know take a little bit of a look down on it because of that but yes you, you know you are men among boys in the, in, <laughs> in the fishing world you guys hold your own yeah, yeah. and then some yeah the, yeah the the few of you guys that i know are all you know upstanding and very highly intelligent straight up good guys and gifted in your yep. gifted with your ability so you don't get on there <laughs> making the youth team is like making the nfl yeah you know there's a lot of people that fish but there's few of them that stand out yes and that's you guys so and i think you'll do good at that i yeah. with gordon being down there in the south that's good he can cater to the Southern. kids down that way and it seems to me like you know the north and the south here is where it's at for comp fishermen i think you could really excel at that up here yeah yeah pennsylvania and north carolina are like yeah. the two big competition areas pennsylvania you know, I, I'm doing a comp on Sunday, and there's probably 15 names that I I don't know who they are. You know, just yeah. a lot of new people. It's really growing. Yep. You know, competitions, competition fishing, and Euro nymphing and that stuff has never been as big as it is right now yep. um, with, you know, everything that's been put out, modern nymphing, videos, people just getting into it, all that stuff. Yep. So hopefully, it, uh, hopefully it'll do good, you know, get some trips over the summer. And yeah, send uh, some people your way, push it around. Definitely push it around. Yeah. Thank you guys. Yeah, thank you very Definitely much. Definitely a big interest in this area in the last couple of years. In the competition. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's a, a really big interest in it and not a whole ton of guides, you know, that really can ca cater to it. Yeah. You know, like Josh Miller is awesome guide, also part of the one men's of the team coaches. USA, one of the yeah. coaches. You know, one of my, my really good friends, yep. he does it. Um, Gordon does it down in the south. You know, Lance and Devin do that uh, over uh, over out in the west. But there's but, very few real competition yeah. heavy ben, guys. Ben Brocious has some guys together there. They, ben Brocious, yeah. Ben Brocious yeah. is doing it too. He's on got, the western part of the state. Yeah, western part. Eastern part of the yeah. state. <laughs> well, yeah. it's kind of a specialty guiding. Yeah. And I see a big call for that, even on social media, even on the, the Euro forums. Yeah. And guys are always asking for people for that. So that's good to know. We definitely push you around. I, that could be good for you. Big calling out there. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully some people will decide they want to learn a little bit more about it or uh, just want to go have a great day on the water, yeah, you know, yeah, out yeah. in some of the best fishing in the world here in Pennsylvania. So, yep, we're blessed. We are blessed. No doubt. Good luck with that. Thank you guys very much. No problem. Thanks for coming down and being on the show here with us today. So Yeah, it's always a good time. Yep. Pat, do you want to share where we're out there in the social media world? Oh, man, you're going to kill me on this one because I'm just like having a brain fart moment. <laughs> we're on Instagram and Facebook, uh, bugsandbeards.com. 
Bugs and Beard Podcast. Uh, bugs and oh yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of Bugs and our Bugs yeah. and Beards page. You bugs can also and Beard find page us there. on Facebook. <laughs> yep, <laughs> and uh, Bugs and Beards podcast on Facebook yeah. and Instagram. And then if you'd like listening to us, we're on Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Apple. Yeah, Apple. Probably if you're out there, you're. Yeah, you you'll know, find you'll us. find us. So, anyway, thanks for listening, guys. We really enjoy bringing this. You know, we have a lot of fun with our guests, bringing our guests in, and because we get to meet a lot of great people. So. Yes, we do. So we're having a blast doing it. We're having a blast bringing it to you. So until next week or two weeks, whenever, when we bring you another episode, I'm Sean Holsinger. I'm Pat Smith, and we'll see you next time. See you later. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Bugs and Beard Podcast. This podcast was brought to you by Holsingersflyshop.com. Head on over to the website for all your fly fishing and fly tying needs. Plus, you can also find a link there to the Holsingers Fly Shop YouTube channel. The channel is full of information with over 250 videos covering fly tying and fly fishing techniques geared towards making your time on the water more enjoyable. From all of us here at the Bugs and Beard Podcast, we hope you'll subscribe to our channel and tune in next week as we discuss the sport we love so well. Until next time, get out there on the water and tight lines.